0: If you ever forget why we exist, that's why, right there, Amen, Church. That's why we're here to help people meet Jesus, and then to let Jesus do what He does best, right? And I I think I misheard that. Did he say he's the the oldest of eleven children? We're gonna reach our hands towards those parents wherever they are right now, and just (laughs) pray a blessing on those parents of eleven children. Oh my word, that is unreal. Anyhow, um. What a great day to be in God's house. Thank you for coming today. Um, I'm believing that God has something for you. I believe that every day when I come here, right? Like every, every opportunity I have to stand on this stage, on this platform, I believe that God has something specific that he wants to deliver to every one of us in this room. Now there is, as Maritza said, there's something powerful just about gathering together, about being together in God's house, about worshiping, about just the community that we feel. Um, there's just something important about that. And again, welcome online. We love you. Uh, we hope that God speaks to you as well, wherever it is that you are. If you're joining us uh, from vacation, bless you. We're glad that you're tuning in. And, um, and God can speak to you as well. Don't, don't, don't tune out to the very last moment of this service. And, um, and so we are, we are in a series called Hearing God. And it, you know, this has been on my heart for a little while to talk to the church about how do we hear God's voice in our life? And, and in, in many ways, that whole topic to me feels a bit amorphous, if you know what I mean. Amorphous means without shape, without clarity. Like it just, how do you even like describe the voice of God? It's not a simple undertaking. Now, certainly we have... In the word of God, the voice of God, right? Like that's what we talked about last week, that God has spoken to us by his word. And last Sunday, again, if you, if you ever miss a message at GT, all of our messages are archived on our website. Go to Facebook, YouTube, wherever it is that we stream our messages, you can find them there. And if you were not able to hear last Sunday's message, I would encourage you to check it out. Um, I talked, so last week was part one. Again, part of the reason that I, I lean towards teaching in series, doing, clumping a bunch of messages together around a theme is because there's more than can be said in one day about a particular topic or aspect of the Christian life. Right, church? And so last week we talked about our general posture about how we hear God. And like I said, if you haven't heard that message, go online sometime this week and check it out. But... So last week I talked about our, our posture, and there's a, there's a couple of things that can keep us from hearing God, and there's some things that help us to hear from God. Uh, some of the things that I talked about last week that can keep us from hearing God's voice, uh, certainly distractedness, you know, all of us can find ourselves in a place of being distracted in life, even as we read the Bible, And we talked last week, like sometimes we have moments in God's Word where we read the Word of God, and I realize that as I'm reading, I'm not really understanding anything I've read, and so I go back and read again, because our minds are distracted. Busyness certainly keeps us from hearing God. We're just so busy, we don't slow down enough to hear God's voice. Apathy, not that we're apathetic in a general sense, because you're here, right? Like you want to be close to God, you want to grow in your faith, you want to hear God, but... If we don't give focused attention to tuning into the voice of God, that's a sense of apathy. Like we just don't take the time to to carve out time in our lives. And then we also talked about how sin can keep us from hearing God. That sin creates a barrier or interference in our, our ability. It's not on God's end, right? If you're not hearing from God, it's not because he stopped wanting to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me and to us, right? But sometimes sin gets in the way and it creates an obstacle in our lives. Then we talked about how, how do we get close to God? Like So if th- those are the things, and there's other things, but those are the things that keep us from hearing God. What are the things that help us to hear from God? And, and the primary thought that I gave you last week was that it's found in James 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God, And he will draw near to you. And the idea is that God invites us to draw near to him. And and, and this this idea in the Bible says that if we take the first step, if we initiate once we've been saved and come to Christ, then we become the initiator in the relationship. And James says when we draw near to God, he will then return and draw near to us. And, And the bottom line last week was that those who are near God are those who hear God. Those who are near God are those who are, are going to hear God. And I reminded us, and then I'll jump into today's text, but I reminded us last week that you know, sometimes in the church, and this would apply to our, our faith life in a lot of ways, but sometimes in church, we're looking for a formula. If if I can listen to a podcast or I go to this leadership seminar or I hear a sermon online and if you could just outline for me these four steps, and I'll be good to go. And, and oftentimes, our teaching and our preaching even takes on that shape. We have, here are my three points today, here are my ten points. Here. You know, we, we even make it a bit formulaic in how we deliver God's Word. But I, I want to remind us today that when we're talking about being near to God and hearing God, it's not about a formula. It's about becoming familiar with the voice of God. And the best way that you can do that, again, is by spending time every day in the Word of God. You become familiar with the voice of God by reading the Word of God. This is the primary mechanism that God has given you and I by which we learn to hear His voice. Can somebody say amen to that? You might be saying, well, where do I start? I was talking with my brother Greg uh, this week, and we talked about, well, some people may not know, well, You said read the Bible, Scott. But where do I begin? Like, do I just most books? You go to page one and start reading. I would encourage you to go to the the second, the last third of the Bible. It's called the New Testament, and read the Gospels: Matthew, Mark. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because those are the stories, the life, and work, and words of Jesus Christ. He is the He is the focal point of our faith. And if you're new to the Bible. I would beg of you to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because you need to get to know who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did. That's where we start, okay? And I would also encourage you, again, this is the source, but we have a great resource for you. I've been reading this book. I'm halfway through it now. It's called Frequency by Robert Morris. He pastors Gateway Church, and um, a great resource for you. We have, I think, seven or eight copies left in scrolls, so if you want to pick one of these up on your way out today... I invite you to do that on your way out. So, um, today I want to talk with you, last week again, our general posture of how we hear God. Just my overall countenance in how I posture myself towards the living God. Today, I'm going to talk about how do I hear God on the inside. And again, this is, it could feel ambiguous times like, well, how do I know that that's God inside of me? And I believe that God has given me a couple of things to share with you that I think can truly give language to what you hear inside. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about the outer witness. How do I discern God's voice through other people, through sermons, through worship, through circumstances? You do not want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be a great day in God's house. Pastor Eric is bringing the word next Sunday. I get it up for our Kutztown pastor, him and his wife Marlene. He'll be on the platform talking about the outer witness. And then in two weeks from today, Pastor Dan Sarna is going to take the stage and talk about the supernatural voice of God. How do I discern God's voice through the gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom? God speaks still supernaturally, right church? We believe that here. Like God is a supernatural God and he still speaks to us in supernatural ways. And so I hope that you'll make it a priority to be here Next Sunday and the week after that. So, I want to do something different today. I think we got to keep you on your toes, right? Gonna keep you on your toes, church. You ready? I want you to stand today for the reading of God's Word. We're not gonna do that every week, but I think that it's appropriate at times. Some of you like that, okay? Um, (laughs) Duly noted, it's in the minutes now, okay? But I want to read to you a passage in Romans chapter. Eight. And I'm going to give you the context because it, it gives us, again, I think identifying God's voice inside, right? My mind, my heart, my soul. Like hearing God's voice on the inside, we need to attach language to it. Just so that it. I think it helps us discern that maybe that was God speaking to me. And there's a phrase in here that I want us to use today as we talk about identifying God's voice, but I want to take us back a little bit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul says there are two ways to live. You can have your mind set on what your your natural sinful impulses desire, Or you can have your mind set on what the Spirit of God inside of you desires. You choose, right? It's our choice, how we'll live. He said this, listen to these words, verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit, listen to this, is life and peace. How many want their mind to be governed by life and peace? Raise your hand, right? Like... That is the life of Christ, church, that your mind is governed by the Spirit of God, that you will experience life and peace in this earthly life. That's the will of God for your life, that the life of Christ would be abounding in you, that it produces life and peace in your mind. And now I'm going to jump down to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The spirit of God inside of you, he was the one who caused you to become adopted as a child of God when you confessed your faith in Christ. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And verse 16, here's the phrase that I want us to think about today. In verse 16 it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. On, on On first blush, that's obviously an internal transaction, right? That's an internal conversation. The Spirit of God who is invisible, who lives inside of us, testifies with our spirit that is inside of us. There's an internal conversation that happens in our lives. And I'm praying today, we're going to pray in just a second. I'm praying that what I share with you today will will equip you better as you walk with Jesus to, to walk in this life with a certain degree of assurance, Boldness and holy confidence that you could say in your life, the Spirit of God has testified with my spirit. And I've heard from God. Let's pray. God, I pray that today in this house and online, God, that the Spirit of God would be cut loose in this place. God, that you would instruct my tongue. God, I know that I am inadequate to convey what you've put in my heart, but I'm praying, God, that today you would equip me with the Spirit of God inside of me, God, to accurately reflect your word. And I pray that, Father, as as we open your word together in this place today, that the Holy Spirit inside of each one of us would deliver his word and his voice, make yourself clear today in our hearts. God, I know that. Many in this room, many in this gathering, many online are looking for a word from God. They need to hear your voice as it relates to a relationship, a decision, a circumstance, a life change. And God, my prayer in the authority of Jesus' name is that you would make yourself clear. And that we could walk out having said that the Spirit of God has testified with my spirit, and it is well with my soul. So God, now add your blessing to this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you as you are seated today. So, like I said, I want to... My goal is to give language to the idea of hearing God's voice on the inside, because it, it it can be a difficult thing, and and every one of us at times have racing thoughts, and and I'm going to give you some, inf- some ideas at the end of this message on how do I know that that was God, because that's the obvious question. I might feel these things on the inside, but how can I know that it was God, and not just my mind, my own heart, my own desire, my own impulses, like... How do I know the difference between my own voice in my head and the voices in my head? If you're hearing too many voices, we should talk after service, just saying. Um, but how do I discern that it's the voice of God? And what I want to give to you, like I said, is I want to give you language to help you discern those voices in your, in, on the inside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to some biblical passages to unpack some things that the bible gives us the word of god furnishes language for this but i i'm also going to look to some lived experience to just from my own life like this is how i i have gone about discerning the voice of god there's going to be 10 different voices that i give to you that i think help you have language around the things that you might detect on the inside this is not a complete list it's a a short list of the different ways that God can speak. In fact, I shared this passage with you last week in Hebrews chapter one. The writer of Hebrews said, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God is not short on creativity. Somebody say amen, right? God is not limited with how many different ways he can deliver his word to you. Well, I'm going I'm to point out 10 different ways that you might identify the voice of God in your life. God's not limited to those 10. Amen, church? Like he's got, he's got at his disposal an infinite number of ways and mechanisms and avenues by which he can speak to us. But it, it's helpful if you know what you're looking for. If you've ever been sent on a wild goose chase to go find something lost in the house, how much better is it when somebody describes to you exactly what you're looking for? right? Like You you have a picture of what it is that you're looking for that helps you identify it when you find it. Too many people are looking for the wrong thing and then you don't know when you've found it because you don't know what you're looking for. And so I want to give you some language around how do I know that this was... The Voice of God. So, again, if you have a, a paper, a pencil, a notepad in your phone, maybe jot some of these down, because I want you to, even in your own quiet times this week, meditate on some of these things and, and give thought to these things. If, listen, if you're a single adult in this room, wave at me. Online, type, I'm available. <laughs> like But listen, if you're a single adult here, it's helpful if you know what you're looking for in a spouse. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because if you meet your spouse, you know what you're looking for. You may not even know you've met them, right? Like it's helpful to know what you're looking for. So in the same way, I'm going to give you language today to help you know what you're looking for on the inside of your life, okay? So here's number one. Some of these will be short and sweet. Again, just to give you the language, and some of them will take a bit longer to unpack. But number one is this. I think that there are times where we just feel an impression of the Holy Spirit. There are times where I feel that there's like, like the Spirit of God. Again, this is why I gave you Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirits. You're, you're not looking for something out here. That's next week, right? Like out here, the, the voices from people and songs and music and sermons. In here, you're sensing, I feel an impression from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is impressing something on me that I need to take action or move on. So an impression. Number two, we sometimes feel a prompting. And again, you're going to hear some of these words and think, well, gosh, Scott, they all sound the same. No, I think there's nuance to how these words might help us discern the voice of God in our lives. So there are times where you feel prompted to do something. And there are times when that prompting is from the Spirit of God. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 20. Luke, who was a traveling companion to Paul, he wrote this. uh, He said uh, what they said here. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. This is Paul talking. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. There are times in in your life, I, I, I would think that the prompting of the Holy Spirit is, is something that is almost like, like behind us, pushing us to action. When you're, when you're walking about your life or you're in the grocery store or you're having dinner or something, and you f- it's almost as if you feel like a gentle hand on your back pushing you. When Paul said, compelled by the Spirit, I'm picturing like there's like this hand on his back gently pushing him, like compelling him prompting him to move forward with something. And I think that in our lives when we feel that, it's, it's the Spirit of God prompting us to take action about something. Picture, again, a hand on your back. Sometimes it's gentle. And how many know that sometimes that hand can be a bit forceful in our life? Because the Spirit of God, Paul says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. He said, I know that in every city, hardship and persecution awaits yet I am compelled by the Spirit to go. I'm prompted. I'm being pushed in a direction to, to, to do the will of God in my life. The third one is this. So the, the impression, the prompting. This I heard from a friend of mine. These aren't all original to me. But I remember before I was called to ministry, I worked at Lucent Technologies in engineering. And a friend, Dave Purcell, he, we were talking about God. And he was describing, he's like, you know, he's like, you ever have like, he said, you ever have a loud thought like, there's this kind of thought that just gets stuck in there, and it's a thought that's louder than all of the other thoughts. Can anybody relate to that? Like, you have a, it's, and so that's how I I'd I'd describe it. Like, sometimes in our lives, the voice of God is simply a thought that's louder than all of the other thoughts. Like, sometimes in here, the Spirit testifies to my spirit. Sometimes it's right here. Like, it's, it's this loud thought. It's, it's as if there's a thought in my head, listen. That is demanding my attention. That it's, it's not letting go. It's, it's, it's there and it won't go away. It's like this, this loud thought and it's demanding my attention. Friend, that just may be the voice of God in your life. Demanding that you pay attention to what he's trying to say to you. And sometimes he'll, he'll lead you to the word of God to read more about it. Sometimes he'll, 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 he'll repeat that. In, in, a, in a word you hear from somebody else or in, in music, in a worship song, but it's a loud thought that just keeps coming back and over and over, and it just repeats itself. Number four is this, and I heard this. I was in Honduras with Dan Barris some other men in this room. We did this, um, this kind of a, a wild man's mission trip two years ago. We were in the jungles of Honduras. We literally went down a river on canoes, three hours down a river, a three-hour hike until we got to this remote village and where they were building a church, and so we were helping to build this church, and so this was like this, it was, if you're the kind of person that likes that, like, that crazy off-the-grid journey, this was like a dream come true, right, Dan? Like, it was, it was unbelievable. We were literally off the grid. We had no cell phone access. That's like, that'll make some of you already have heart palpitations, like, what? I can't access my cell phone? Like, oh my word, I got no signal. Just wait. you're driving down 222. There's a dead spot, right? 222 South, like, you'll get Signal some, but we were off the grid for like seven days. And, I, and I, I'll never forget Mike Brown, the missionary again. You guys are amazing. This church supports over 120 missionaries on the ground, making a difference, taking the gospel to the ends of this earth. Literally, it felt like we were at the end of the earth in Honduras. Anyway, um, so we're driving in the van to get to the canoes, and Mike Brown's just telling the story about how he's hearing God. And he said, Scott, he's like, I felt the Holy Spirit provoking me. I'm like, dude, I'm preaching that someday. I don't know when I'm going to say that, but that was powerful. And I looked it up. There's actually some language in the Bible that it says to be provoked. When, 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 now, you know what it means to be provoked because you've been provoked by other humans, right? Raise your hand. Come on, relate to me. We all get provoked sometimes by people. But there are times, church, when the provocation is from the Spirit of God. And he is inciting you. He's he's rousing something inside of you, and I I want us as a church to be the kind of people that are paying attention to the provocation of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He might be provoking you. He's not going to provoke you to be angry unless it's a righteous indignation about something. What if the Holy Spirit is provoking you about something that that stirs you? Being provoking means to be stirred, to be incited towards something. And again, just giving you language around the way that God might speak to you. What if the Spirit of God is provoking something inside of you? He is, he is rousing you to do something you've never done before. Like Maritza said, maybe he's provoking action in your life to get involved in ministry here at the church. And there's this provocation in your spirit and you can't let go of it. It just won't quit. Maybe it's the Spirit of God speaking to you. Maybe he's got a task or a mission for you. Maybe you need to walk out of this building, out of this room, and stop by the serve desk and talk to one of our serve volunteers and say, you know what, I don't, I don't know what's happening to me, but I, I feel this provocation in my spirit. And I need to do something about it. I can't ignore it any longer. Because there are times, church, when the spirit of God will be on you so heavy that you cannot ignore it any longer. When ignoring becomes hazardous to your health, church, the provocation Of the Spirit. This one is easy. Every one of us can identify. Um, It's just my conscience. There are times where the Spirit of God will inform your conscience or He'll remind you of what your conscience holds as valuable. And that, again, that's kind of reminiscent of what I talked about last week. There are times in our lives where. We're, we're embracing sinful thoughts, sinful behaviors, sinful actions, sinful words. And the Spirit of God will simply, from the inside, remind you of the Christian ethic that should govern your life. Right, church? And so maybe you're at work and you're, you're partaking in some very vulgar language or coarse joking or things that are just inappropriate to the life of Christ inside of you. Again, you have a choice, right? Right. Will I be governed by the flesh or will I be governed by the Spirit? Every one of us has a choice. And there are times where the Spirit of God will just deal with your conscience. And he'll remind you that you have a Christian ethic, a moral warehouse that should be governing your life. And when you step outside of that moral warehouse, the Spirit of God is ready to inform you of that. He's ready to... To speak to your conscience, to, to just kind of, it's like a nudge. How many have been nudged before by the Spirit of God in your life? Come on, be honest, right? You're not confessing <laughs> sin by saying that, well, you just said that if I'm, no, no. Sometimes the Spirit of God just nudges us in our conscience. It's like, you know, Scott, like, that's not appropriate. Like, that's not the kind of man that you're called to be. That's not the woman of God that I've designed you and set you apart to become. And the Spirit of God will simply grab a hold of our conscience and say, that's not what you've been putting in there. And this, how do I inform my conscience right here, church? How do I inform my conscience? How do I fill the moral warehouse of my soul? It's with the word of God. Parents, just for a second, man, you need to be putting the word of God in your children's lives. You are, it is your responsibility, parent, to shape and to fill your child's moral warehouse. You need to have some scriptures that they memorize, some things that they put in their hearts, do devotions with them. And we, we fail. We don't always do that. We're not always good at that. Kate and I don't always get that right. But it's our responsibility to fill their moral warehouse with the word of God. That's how you inform their Christian ethic. These next two go together, number six and seven. This is what I would call a check in my spirit. Mm-hmm. All of us, many of us have experienced this. What Paul said That's what the book of Acts says in Acts 16. In verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Look at this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now when you read that, you might say, well, why on earth would the Spirit of God keep them from preaching about Jesus? Why would he do that? Like, isn't their job to go to every part of the place? Didn't Jesus say go to Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth? Like, isn't that the Great Commission? Why did the Spirit of God keep them from going somewhere? We probably won't ever know the answer to that question. Many have probably speculated about why, but that's not the point today. The point is this, that there are times where you feel a check in your spirit. Where you're, you're going about a certain way in life and, and you all of a sudden, you're walking about life and you're like, ah, oh, like, Something's holding me back. Like I I feel a check in my spirit. It said, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. There's a time in the the believer's life where we feel a check in our spirit. And that might be with with something I want to say, in fact, a lot of times it might be where you're about to gossip about something or someone. Right, church? You knew that gossip's wrong, right? Just check in, right? Just a little check here. But if, but, but if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and you're involved in a conversation or you're about to share something that was private to somebody and you start the conversation with, listen, you can't tell anybody else this. Man, will the Spirit of God come on you and give you a check in your spirit? Or if you're about to go somewhere or do something and, and you feel a check in here. Like, there's, I don't know what it is, God, but like, I feel a check in my spirit. Why don't I feel okay? Why don't I feel the peace of God to move forward with this decision? Maybe that's the check of the Holy Spirit. You feel a check in your spirit. The spirit of Jesus testifies with our spirit right in here. And I feel a check in my spirit. The next one is the, the opposite of that. I would call it a release in my spirit. You know, sometimes, again, I feel a check like, okay, I, I, I just can't go any further. But there are times where, where I want to go somewhere or I want to do something and I'm praying, God, I'm not going to do that thing until I feel that you've released me to do that thing. And, and sometimes it may take days, weeks, months, or years for you to be released to do something or to go somewhere, or to leave something. If God's got you planted in a church, you should not leave said church until you feel the Spirit of God has released you to leave a church. People leave churches for all kinds of reasons, and sometimes the Spirit of God leads you to leave a church because he needs you somewhere else to do something else in a different place. But that's a way to understand, like, I'm not going to go or I won't leave this place until I feel that God has released me to leave this place. We're looking for a release from God. This, this sense of like, okay, I, I've, I felt God holding me back. There's just like this check in my spirit. All of a sudden the check disappears and I feel this freedom now in the spirit to move forward with that decision. We're looking for a release in our spirit. Number eight, good old-fashioned conviction. This is similar to my conscience, but I would say that conviction is a little bit stronger than the the information, the informing, the nudging in my conscience, where the Spirit of God inside of us will will bring about the awareness. Again, conviction, some might argue, well, conviction is for the unbeliever, and there's there's this conviction in our lives as believers that what I'm doing right now is not appropriate behavior for the life of a child of God. And the Holy Spirit brings about an awareness of my identity in Christ, of who I am and who I am called to be, so that I will walk away from the impulses of my flesh that are not honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me, church? And then you might even sense this this loving, convictional Holy Spirit reminding you that the Word of God says, it is God's goodness that leads us to repentance And if you're living in a sinful thought pattern, whatever, a habit or something, and you feel the weight of the Holy Spirit, like, that's not what I've called you to. Or maybe the Holy Spirit would say, listen, Scott, you're better than that. You're better than that believer. You're better than that child of God. Why lower yourself to that sinful choice? You're called to live up here, children of God. Amen, church? You are called to live on a higher plane. And then you'll hear the Spirit of God say, listen... I've called you to more than that. Stop picking up peanuts off the floor. Like, I've called you to great things in this life. And he's, he's going to remind you it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. So I don't repent because I'm, a, I'm ashamed and I'm, I'm condemned. No, I repent because God is so good and his love endures forever. That's what leads me to repent of my sinful ways and of my sinful thinking patterns. It's the goodness of God, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. Two more. Number nine, the nagging feeling. You've lost that nagging feeling, right? You've lost a lot. Like this, that was horrible. I will not do that at 11 o'clock, okay? (laughs) See, I, I ignored the check in my spirit right there. I'm just trying to be an example of what you should and shouldn't do. I ignored the check in my spirit. Don't sing, Kramer. Whatever you do, don't sing. And I did anyway. So I ignored the check in my spirit. Um, guys, delete that from the archive. Um, but there are times, listen, there are times where you might feel nagged by the Holy Spirit. Like, he just, he won't let go. Like, he won't release you. Like, he's just nagging and nagging and nagging about something. And nagging, like, just, like, maybe we, maybe not in your marriage, because it would never happen in your marriage, but you've been nagged before. Be honest. Like, you've had somebody nag you about something. What if, it, what if the Holy Spirit sometimes nags us? Like he just, he's on us. Like he, he won't let you forget. There's somebody you work with that needs Jesus. And every day you go into work, you, you feel the Spirit of God nagging you about that person. Monday, Tuesday, you're like, just leave me alone, okay? Like somebody else will tell him about Jesus. No, maybe you need to tell him about Jesus. Or you've got this relationship and it's gone south and you know that you are the one that needs to initiate reconciliation. And the Spirit of God has been nagging you about that for some time. Man, just, just take that step and, and follow and obey the Spirit of God. He's nagging you for a reason. He wants you to make peace or, or in your marriage and there's something happening and you know that you know the Spirit of God is nagging you and nagging you and nagging you that you need to apologize to your spouse for something you said or something you did. Respond, answer. Follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in, in your life and, and listen to his nagging. The last one is this, number 10. Heaviness in my heart. There are times where, again, Romans eight sixteen says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. There are times where the Spirit of God, it's almost as if he puts a 50-pound weight right on your chest. There's a heaviness in your spirit. And then you're, you're, sometimes you're like, I don't know why I feel this heaviness. So you're, you're just kind of bearing yourself before the Lord in your quiet time saying, God, I don't know why I feel this heaviness, but I, I'm awaiting further instruction. God, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, I feel this heaviness in my heart. Why do I feel this heaviness in my heart? Um, so, so those are ten ways. Again, there's, there's no limit with how God might speak to you in your heart, on the inside. There's more I could say. I've, I've got more, but I want to give you some questions that might help you identify or discern if it is or isn't God, right? Because that's going to be, you're going to walk out of here, well, I have a prompting, an impression, I'm being nagged, I'm, my conscience, like, how do I know it's God, and how do I know that it's not God and something else? I had horrible, I had bad pizza late at night, now I had a weird dream, and like, How do I know? Like So here's just some ways, okay? So some questions to consider when you're thinking about discerning the voice of God on the inside. Number one, does it align with God's Word? Is what I'm sensing inside in alignment with the Word of God? Does it defy my conscience? Assuming that I've informed my conscience with truth, right? Assuming that I've filled my own moral warehouse with the Word of God, with the the proper Christian ethic then do do I I ask the question, what I'm sensing, what I'm being impressed to do, does does it defy my conscience? Does it betray my internal moral warehouse? Does it lead me into a closer relationship with Jesus or further away? What I'm sensing inside, will it harm someone else directly or indirectly? Like Jesus doesn't want to lead you or the Holy Spirit won't guide you into an action or behavior that's going to harm someone. He wants to help people, not hurt them. Do I feel peace in my spirit? Do I feel peace about this even though it doesn't make sense in the natural? Just a very quick story. I know I'm running out of time here, but when when Kate and I bought our house uh, nine years ago, and again, does God speak to us on, on earthly decisions? You better believe it, right? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't God want to guide you in decisions that impact your life and the life of others? Now, I don't suggest you wake up every morning and ask God what kind of cereal you need to eat, okay? God gave you a brain. He's not offended when you use it. Amen, church? You'll get that later, some of you. But, um, so, but there are times where you, you look for the peace of God. And I remember when we bought our house nine years ago, for me, now, my wife felt peace in every possible way. And I'm, there was like an unsettled feeling I had about the house we were picking because it I, I just saw all the work that had to be done, all the renovations, all the repairs. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, honey, we just spent 10 years renovating a house. I just want to turn the key and walk in and move in. Like, and I just had this, like, everything for me, everything in the natural didn't add up. But I, I, it just was like a sensation. I remember sitting there with our realtor, putting my name and my initials, 8,000 places, realtors, just saying. I remember putting my name and my initials on the agreement of sale. And I'm like, I don't know why I feel peace about this, but I do. I don't know why. None of it made sense on the outside, but the peace of God on the inside. And, And friends, we need to look for, even when it doesn't make sense in the natural, we are looking for it to make sense in the supernatural, that the peace of God can inform my decisions. Does it activate God's gift in my life? Is God calling me to be a conduit of his love for others? And the last one, and then I'm going to invite our team out. Guys, you can go and come out. Um, They're going to do a song for us that's kind of a reflective song. Uh, We're going to close today with a song. But um, the last one that I would say is this, that the question is this, do I know that I know that I know? I've heard people say, some language that my wife and I use, like, I know that I know that I know. And again, let me take you back to the beginning in, in, in Romans eight sixteen, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. Doesn't it just make sense, church, that as a child of God, there can be a knowing that is not natural? Somebody say amen to that. Like, that was good. Like, there can be a knowing on the inside. The knowing isn't always here, right? We think of... How I know something, it's always intellectual, it's mental, I know that I know, like, I know something, it's information. Friends, sometimes the knowing isn't here, sometimes the knowing is here. Because the Spirit of God has testified with your spirit. And you know that 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 you've heard the voice of God and the peace of God is all over it. That's how you know. And I'm going to come back after the song. I just want you to reflect on the, the lyrics of this song. I'm going to come back after the song and, and kind of close with an illustration and the bottom line. So we're not dismissing with the song. Stay put, stay tuned, and um, allow God, even during this song, some of you maybe are, are looking for an answer from God. You're like, I need to hear from God. I, I've got a decision. to make. Maybe God will even speak to you in the words of this song. Listen in.
1: quiet my soul And I hear your voice In my spirit I hear the sound Of salvation's song, Jesus I will weigh Your word, oh Lord. There Your Spirit speaks, bringing life to the weary soul, to the dead of me, Jesus. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my soul.
0: out in just a second, and if you need prayer in your life, if you are looking to God for an answer, and just take some time after we close in prayer and come down to the altar. Just stand in in the presence of God. Just still yourself before Jesus and say, God, I'm not leaving here until I know that I know that I know. Just find a place and and pray, and, and you can do it in your seat. That's fine. But if you need prayer, you want somebody to agree with you. Just want to separate yourself, come down, and love to pray with you on the way out. Many of you um, know the name Mike Shoshevsky. Raise your hand if you know the name Mike Shoshevsky. Oh my goodness! All right, so many of you do not know the name Mike Krzyzewski, Um Coach Shoshevsky was—he is the winningest college basketball coach of all time. Coach the Duke Blue Devils, thirty-one years. Since 1980, he's been coaching the Duke Blue Devils, the winningest coach, five national titles, and Mark Owens shared this with me last week. He said, you know that Coach K never uses a whistle at practice. I'm like, I've coached eight-year-olds in basketball. The gym is loud, like the, the basketball bouncing, like it's loud, right, Coach Perez? Like, it's loud. Now, you're loud too, I know that, but like it's loud in gym, and I don't have... I don't have the vocal strength to to talk loud enough for for 10-year-olds to hear me. And when asked, Coach K, why do you not use a whistle even in practice? He said, because my players need to know my voice. In an arena filled with other voices, can you relate, church? In an arena filled with thousands of voices, you need to know the one voice. I've got a whistle here. Listen. That was probably deafening online. I'm up, I'm up so I apologize. Here's the bottom line today. Instead of looking for the whistle, learn to listen for the whisper. Instead of looking for the whistle, because we're all looking for the formula, the obvious, like I want to, if, if God could just send a biplane across the sky with his message to me, that would be awesome. We're looking for the whistle. And church, most times, God doesn't speak through a whistle, he speaks through a whisper. On the inside, right? He speaks to us through a whisper. And I want to pray with you today. This will be our dismissal prayer. And again, if you need prayer, if you have a need in your body, you want somebody to pray with you, you want to just come and do business with God, talk to Jesus, these altars will be open after I pray. But I want to, I want to pray that, that, man, we are a church that dials into the whisper. God, that we become aware, attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because I promise you, I believe with all my heart that He wants to speak to you more than you even want to hear it. We need to get ourselves into a place where we can say, the Spirit of God has testified with my spirit, and I know that I know that I know that I know. I have come to a place of knowing that isn't intellectual, it's spiritual. God wants to speak to us. Let's pray. God, what a joy to gather in this place. What a joy to worship the name that is above every other name. And today in this house, in this place, we worship the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. Your word also says that at the name of Jesus, at some time, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. We confess that today, God. And I pray over this church, I pray, God, over your church here today, the gathering of believers, that every one of us, Lord, would walk with a greater degree of confidence in hearing the voice of God on the inside. And that, God, you would teach us, even in your word this week, as we carve out time in our lives to spend time in your word that you would begin to show us things reveal things to us that we haven't known before that we could walk around in this life with a holy boldness an assurance that we know that we know that we know that we know the will of God that we know the purpose of God in our lives because we have heard the voice of God I pray God that you would reveal yourself in very clear ways to every person at the sound of my voice people looking for decisions and information and direction and guidance and relationships, God, in the many ways that we need to hear from you, God, I'm asking you right now to speak to your people. And more than that, God, help us to learn how to listen to your voice. Now, God, I pray that you bless your people in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, church. God bless you today. Pray you have an awesome day in the Lord. If you need prayer again, we'd love to pray with you. Pastor Carrie's here. Other Altar team members are here. They want to agree oh with you. Have an amazing day in the Lord. God bless you.
1: I love you with all my.